Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. Hey guys, last worship service of the semester. Thank you so much for making time for the things of God and to hear from the Word of God. I want to tell you about a lady named Miss Farmer. Uh, Miss Farmer and her husband went to the church that I grew up in, and they're some of the most godly people I've ever known. Uh, Ms. Farmer was my Sunday school teacher for most of my childhood, and so she taught me so many stories from the Bible. She helped me memorize dozens of scriptures, and uh, she's prayed for me like literally my whole life. <laughs> and uh, her husband passed away several years ago, but Miss Farmer, she's still serving Jesus. She's still praying. She's even still teaching kids about Jesus. Uh, in fact, during the uh, lockdowns, man, she got on Facebook Live and she was just doing Sunday school lessons on Facebook Live. So, man, she's she's still doing it, still teaching, and. Uh, a few years ago, Alicia and I went to Miss Farmer's house for dinner, and uh, as we were having dinner, she was talking about things that she was praying for, just things that she'd been praying for during a day, and I, I just thought, I wanted to ask her, Miss Farmer, how many hours a day do you pray? And she was like, I don't know, I've really never thought about that before. Let, let's see, you know, I wake up and I kneel down beside the side of my bed, and I spend some time in prayer, and then... You know, I open up my Bible and while I'm reading scripture, you know, I, I take some time to pray. And then, you know, I get ready for my day. And just while I'm getting ready, I'm praying. And then as I'm, you know, making breakfast, I guess I, I'm praying then too. And then I go on my morning walk and like while I'm walking, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm praying for my missionaries, you know, I'm praying for my family. And so <laughs> basically <laughs> she went through her whole day and she prays all day long. And so I said, so Miss Farmer, you you basically pray all day? And she goes like, yeah, Andrew, I, I guess I do. <laughs> and I remember being so amazed in that moment. Like I know a lot of retired ladies that spend their days watching soap operas and QVC. <laughs> this woman, Miss Farmer, spends her whole day in the presence of Jesus. She spent so much time in the presence of Jesus on earth that um, I'm not sure if she was to die that it might not take her a few days to realize she's in heaven because she spends that much time with Jesus. It won't be all that different. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking in that moment uh, when I asked her that and she answered, compared to her, I, I don't even think I'm a Christian. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saved. Like, why even bother praying? Because I'm never going to get remotely close uh, to the kind of prayer life that Ms. Farmer has. And like, she's obviously a real Christian and I'm obviously a, a faker. Now, I should have remembered in that moment or thought about in that moment that she'd been walking with Jesus a good 50 plus years more than I had at that time. But I really just kind of got caught up in the comparison. And uh, I didn't even bother to ask her probably the most important thing that I could have asked her in that moment. Can you teach me how to pray like you do? Ms. Farmer, can you pre teach me how to pray like you do. And so a lot of us have a desire to pray. Like we might feel like I want to pray, but I don't know where to start, or I want to grow in prayer, but I'm not sure how, or there's no way I'll ever pray like Miss Farmer. So why even bother? I'm not, I'm not any good at it or whatever. But, but here's the thing that we need to understand. Prayer is about practice, not perfection. Prayer is about practice, not perfection. And it's certainly not about comparison and comparing our prayer life with other people's, but the, the reality is, is that we can learn and we can grow in prayer. It's it's a practice. And we see in Scripture the disciples of Jesus, they understood this. Uh, we have an account in Luke 11 where we see them come to Jesus and ask, hey, teacher, will you, will you teach us how to pray? 
Will you teach us how to pray, Jesus? And so here's the thing. The disciples had grown up praying their whole lives. Like they were devout Jews. They, they were in a culture that was immersed in prayer. So prayer was not foreign to them, but they saw something in Jesus's prayer life that they knew they didn't have. And they wanted to learn it. They wanted to grow in it. They understood that prayer is about practice, not perfection. And there's so much in scripture that we can learn about the practice of prayer. And while I'd like to, you know, talk for 16 hours and nerd out on all the intricacies and mysteries and types of prayer, uh, we don't have time to do that <laughs> here. And so what I want to do is, is actually just share some thoughts about how we can approach prayer that can transform our prayer life, like something we could implement right now, like right away, and uh, that, that would impact our prayer life. And then, and then I want to tackle a few frequently asked questions that come up about prayer. So what's something that we can start doing now in our prayer time that can be a game changer for us? Here, here it is. Pray honest prayers. Pray honest prayers. When we pray, we need to be honest with ourselves about God and honest with God about ourselves. I'll say that again. We need to, when we pray, we need to be honest with ourselves about God and honest with God about ourselves. So let's unpack that first thing. We need to be honest with ourselves about God. Here's what I mean. Our prayers are shaped significantly by who we think we're praying to. The way we pray, the frequency with which we pray, the passion and faith we pray with, and even the results we see in our prayer, in my opinion, are are all influenced by what we think about the person we're praying to. Who we are praying to is as important as what we pray. So we need to be honest with ourselves about who God is who the God is that we're praying to. Uh, A.W. Tozer puts it this way, just the way that we think about God. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God? We might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we're praying to God? Like what is the God that we're praying to like in our mind? What's his character? What kind of God is he? Because our prayers are deeply affected by the answer to that question, to those questions. And so I shared earlier about the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And so here's how he starts to unpack that practice of prayer for them in Luke 11. And we also see this in Matthew 6. He shares what's often called the Lord's Prayer. This is what he says, Matthew 6, verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. So let's just zoom in and and stop right there. The disciples ask, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus starts with who they'll be praying to. He starts by being honest about God, his nature, his character. He says, our Father in heaven, holy be your name. He's a holy and perfect and loving Heavenly Father. Now, why God chooses to give us a picture of himself as a father, I don't know, but as a dad, it honestly freaks me out a little bit because that means that my kid's initial reference point for their Heavenly Father is me. And that's a lot of pressure, right? Because I so often fall short of being obviously a holy and perfect and loving father. And all dads do, right? To some extent. And so a lot of us maybe could, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know that my kids could approach me and say, my loving, perfect father, <laughs> you know, holy is your name. I, I don't know that they could say that about me. It, um, and I don't know how many of you guys could approach your dads and say, hey, my loving, holy, perfect father. Like It may be more like for you, my 
you know, judgmental father in Texas, never satisfied (laughs) is your name, or distant father in California, distracted is your name, or absent father who is, I don't even know where, worthless is your name. Like, I'm being a little silly, but it's really not funny. It's not silly when it affects the way that we pray to God, if that's the kind of image that we have of a father. Because we, if we approach God like our broken earthly fathers, instead of like that loving, perfect heavenly father, our prayers could subconsciously or consciously sort of begin to sound like this when we pray. It may sound like, God, I know you're really busy and you don't have time for me, right? Or Lord, I know you're mad at me for all that I've done, but hey, this, you know, or or saying, Lord, I, I know you really don't want to help me, but <laughs> could we work out some kind of deal here? <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever felt that way in prayer, but but that's not how God wants you to feel because that's not who he is. We don't have to approach him in those ways, like that he's mad at us or that um, he's too busy for us so that he doesn't want to, to be in communication with us. And, and one of the biggest reasons I feel like so many of us struggle with prayer or why we're bored with it or confused by it or frustrated by it or maybe have anxiety about it is because we don't really know the person that we're praying to. Like we're making assumptions based on our experiences but we're not able to be honest with ourselves about who God really is, who the God of the Bible really is. And, and the way that we discover who this holy heavenly father is, is through scripture. It is through the pages of scripture. And so I, I want to give you just a quick snapshot of how scripture describes our loving and holy heavenly father. This is what, this is what scripture says about God. He is slow to get angry and full of unfailing love. He doesn't have a quick temper. He's a provider of everything good and perfect, and he wants us to depend on him. He wants us to come to him with our needs. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness, and he's a God of mercy. He's a God who who brings healing and wholeness, not brokenness. Um, He disciplines. Yes, he does discipline, but it's out of love. It's never out of like unchecked anger or rage. And he listens and he wants to respond to the prayers of his children. If we're honest with ourselves about the God of the Bible, we'll see that he actually longs to be in relationship with us, enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross and be resurrected to make that relationship possible. I mean, that's why we celebrated Easter over this past weekend. It's because of his great love for us. And so we want to let our prayers be informed by the nature of our, the true nature of our heavenly father, because it really does impact the way that we pray. Now, you would think that after walking with Jesus for as long as I have, I wouldn't struggle with this, (laughs) but I still do. Like, I actually caught myself in this recently. I was reading through Colossians. Um, Our our life group went through Colossians together, and I was in Colossians chapter uh, 4, and and I was at verse 2 during my devotional times, and and it said this, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So I'm processing through that, meditating on it. Man, I want to be devoted to prayer with an alert mind, like I want to be engaged, and I want to have a thankful heart. And for some reason, I started to sort of struggle with this idea of a thankful heart, being really grateful and, and having a thankful heart in prayer. And I, I and as I was kind of chewing on that and, and wrestling with it a little bit, I felt the Lord say, just by the, by the voice of the Holy Spirit, Andrew, why don't you pray to the real me and not the me who you're creating in your mind? Like... Why don't you pray to who I have revealed myself to be in scripture, not the the person that you're assuming that I am? Because I was I was sort of praying to God as if he responds to people the way that I do, <laughs> that he was more like me. <laughs> and so I wasn't really being honest with myself about the reality of who God is and, and honestly was hindering my prayer life. So 
So I've been working really hard to sort of change and reframe the way that I pray to better reflect my understanding of, of God's nature and his character. And it's really been super helpful. So, so even I, you know, after walking with Jesus for as long as I have, I'm still learning how to pray. I'm still growing in that practice of prayer. And so practically, how do we, how do we be honest with ourselves about God? We do what Jesus is exemplifying in this passage in Matthew 6. We start our prayer time by just declaring who God truly is. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 30 minutes of this. Even just 30 seconds of speaking truth about God's character can make the rest of our prayer time more fruitful, right? Just declaring, like like I mentioned just a minute ago, that he's good, that he's a provider, that he uh, is slow to get angry, that he's righteous, and he is merciful. Like just declaring those things, just taking a moment to declare those things as before you kind of launch into the rest of your prayer. Like what will happen is we'll have more gratitude, We'll be like, man, God, you've done, you've done so much for me. We, we may have more faith as we pray because we're just declaring like, dude, you're the God of the universe, God, right? Um, we may have less entitlement. Like when you really unpack all that he's done and all that he is, you won't necessarily feel like God owes you something, right? Or uh, even we just begin to focus on ourselves less. We find that we may pray for others more or we just spend time in God's presence more. So so how do you do that? How are you honest with yourself about God? You start your prayer time just by being honest and declaring who he is and lay that foundation really for your prayers and it'll make a huge difference. It'll make a huge difference. And so that second thing that we talked about, being honest with God about ourselves or being honest with God about yourself uh, is the other thing that we need to do when we pray honest prayers. There's this really funny thing that I find myself doing in prayer sometimes I pray to God like he doesn't already know what's going on in my heart and my mind, <laughs> like like that I can hide it from him or something. I, I sort of pray like I wish I felt rather than how I actually feel. Like I'm sort of projecting my best self to God like, like I'm in a job interview <laughs> or like my personal brand is praying to God and not the real Andrew, right? I, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but that's something I find myself doing. I, I'll give you an example of, of how this looks in my life. So God's challenged me to, to be a better steward of my finances and a better steward of my physical health, my body. So, so I'm trying to stop eating so much fast food. And so I want to spend time in prayer about that, right? Like if it's something that God wants me to do. And so as I'm driving home from campus, when, I, when I'm leaving TCU and I'm driving home in the evening and I'm coming up to that Wendy's that's right there on the corner, just a couple of blocks from by my house, I can, I can pray like this. I can say, God, I don't want to stop at Wendy's on the way home. Thank you for giving me the strength to resist the temptation to buy a Frosty. Amen. Like I can, I can pray that. And while it's kind of true, it's not really brutally honest because I could also pray, and this is more true, God, I've had a crappy day. I really want to stop at that Wendy's, get a Frosty and fries, and I want to pay cash for it so Alicia, my wife, can't see the charge on our bank account, and I want to eat it in the car in the driveway so no one sees me do it, and then I want to throw the trash in the neighbor's trash can so there's no evidence. That way I can still live in the illusion that I'm being a good steward of my money and my physical health. There is a huge difference in those prayers, right? Like one is sort of a social media post of a, of a prayer, and one is... Man, if I'm just being honest, it's gut-wrenching. It's soul-searching. One prayer makes me feel good, and the other prayer digs into the depths of my heart. It, it exposes my willingness to be deceptive with my wife about something dumb 
Uh, it reveals a dependence on junk food for comfort and peace rather than Jesus and and awakens me kind of to the depths of my pride and desire to p- appear holy to people <laughs> that already love me and know me. And, you know, I, they're both technically honest prayers, but only one of them lays it all on the table before God so he can do some like real work in my spirit. It's kind of like what Jesus was describing in Luke 18. There's a story of the the Pharisee and the tax collector. And and so uh, Jesus is just kind of giving this parable, uh, the Pharisee and the tax tax collector in the temple. And and the Pharisee prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there, right? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Um, But then the tax collector is praying and he says, Jesus says he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, meaning the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. One was an honest prayer. One was, you know, just putting on a show. It wasn't honest before God. And and it's insane kind of that we aren't honest before God in our prayers because he knows Like I said, what we're already thinking and what we're already feeling. We don't have to pretend that we're someone we're not with God. We don't have to try to look good to gain favor with him. I mean, you know, you could pray, ladies, you could pray, Lord, you know, I don't want to text my ex-boyfriend tonight. Thank you for your help. Amen. Or you can pray, Lord, I already know I'm going to text that fool tonight if I stay up past 1130 and I need to reach out to a friend before I do something dumb because I'm so freaking lonely and I'm also angry that I'm still single. And why aren't there any good single men in this horrible, cruel world? Jesus, like you could pray <laughs> a different type of prayer, an honest type of prayer. And there are zero re- reasons really to pretend during prayer for us. This is what C.S. Lewis says about this idea of being honest with God about our prayers. He says this, it is no use to ask God with factitious or fake earnestness for A, when our whole mind is in reality filled with the desire for B. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. John Tyson from Church of the City in New York City says says it this way, pray what you've got, not what you don't have. Pray what you've got, what you're feeling, what you're dealing with, where where you're truly at mentally and emotionally, the, the good things and the bad things, like pray what you've got, pray what you've got. And you might be thinking, can I, can I really be that real and honest with God? Like, won't he strike me with lightning <laughs> if I'm that honest and real? No, he's not going to strike you with lightning, right? Because remember, he's a loving and perfect and holy father. Yes, we really can be that real with God. And I know that we can because it's all over the Bible. So many men and women of faith in scripture were brutally honest with God about themselves in the good times and the bad times. We see with Moses, right? One of the most holy men that we see in scripture. On one hand, God says, hey, Moses, what do, you, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. And Moses says, just show me your glorious presence. Show me your glorious presence. And so God does pass before him and show him his glory. And then just a few <laughs> verses later, he's, Moses is like crying out to God, God, why did you give me these people? Why didn't you just kill us in Egypt? Like, man, like super big swing, but he was praying what he had. Hannah and we see in 1 Samuel, she's weeping at the temple. Um, she's unable to eat. And, and like the priest in the temple thinks she's drunk because she's so overwhelmed with emotion because she can't have a baby, right? 
And then just a few verses later in scripture, she's saying, my heart rejoices in the Lord. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. David in scripture, a man after God's own heart, right? In Psalm 6, he's saying, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? This is my favorite part. He says, I'm worn out from my groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Whoa, (laughs) right? And then in Psalm 52, he says, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. He prayed what he had. We even see Jesus. In John 17, he says, he says, the Father and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. He's talking about this beautiful relationship that he has with his heavenly Father. And, and, and then just a few hours later, on the cross, he screams out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's okay. It's okay to pray what you've got. Pray honest prayers. When you're repenting of sin, and you're dealing with hard things, pray honest prayers when you're full of joy and these incredible, exciting things happen. When you get that perfect internship, you you just say, God, thank you. Help me be a good steward of that. Help me make the most of it. When you see the ocean or or mountains or the Grand Canyon, you can say, God, thank you. This is incredible. Thank you for making such beautiful things for us to enjoy. You can, you can pray about your friends. God, thank you for my friends. These, these brothers and sisters you've surrounded me with here, like I couldn't walk with you so closely without them. You're so kind, God, to bring them into my life. Just pray what you've got, the good things and the bad things. And when it comes to the practical logistics of prayer, pray what you've got there too. Like be honest. You, you don't have to fake it. So, so if you say like, I can't pray for 30 minutes straight, like my life, my life group leader does every morning, don't, don't. Can you pray for five-minute chunks throughout the day? If you can, start there. You don't have to fake it. If you say, man, I'm not a super passionate prayer or eloquent with my words, good. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to be. Pray what you've got. Pray your calm and honest prayer before God because he doesn't want a performance and he's not impressed with elaborate vocabulary anyway. And if you say, like, I can't pray when it's super quiet. Okay, don't. Blast the worship music. (laughs) Go for it. Like, pray there. If you say, I can't pray when it's loud, go hide in the closet. Get in a quiet place, right? If you say, man, I try to pray every night, but I fall asleep in my bed when I'm trying to pray. Like, for the love of God, don't pray in bed with the lights off, right? <laughs> like, turn the lights on or go walk around and pray. Like, find something that works. There, there aren't any special rules about this. We, we just pray what we've got, not what we don't have. So let's pray honest prayers. Honest with ourselves about God and honest with God about ourselves And if we do it, I I promise you that our prayer time will be more meaningful and it'll be more fruitful. And I just challenge you to pray honest prayers and see what happens. Now, here's some questions that come up as we want to grow in prayer or as we look into prayer. Here's some frequently asked questions that come up, and I'm going to try to address some of those. So the first thing is, I don't know what to pray. Like, what, what do I pray? When I've exhausted my list of requests to God, and that's like two minutes in a day, like, What else am I supposed to pray? Here's some things you can try. The first thing is uh, something that some of us in Chi Alpha have used before and and, and people all over the the world use is is something called the ACTS prayer model. So A-C-T-S, that's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which supplication just means requests, right? And we can use that as a model. So that adoration piece, what does that mean? Well, that's like what we were talking about before, where we're just sort of declaring who God is. We're sort of worshiping for him for 
who he is. Like he's eternal. He's, um, he's a loving God. He's a good father. We just, we just take time just, and it doesn't have to be a a super long time, but you just take some time for adoration, just declaring who he is, just worshiping him. Then you move into confession for a few minutes. You confess, man, I was a jerk to my roommate today, God, (laughs) like I'm sorry, or, or, you know, whatever it is, you just begin to confess the things that are on your heart, maybe things that you need to repent of, those kind of those kind of things. You do that for a few minutes, then you move on to Thanksgiving, and you just begin to thank thank God, first of all, for his forgiveness, thank him for Jesus. Like you just move on to things that you can be thankful for in your life. Thank you for letting me be here at TCU, whatever it is. And then you move on to supplication, those requests, and then you begin to bring those requests to God. And what's really cool about that model is that when you do adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, your requests are sort of shaped by that. Some of the things you might have thought were a big deal, maybe not so much when you've adored Jesus and whenever you've thanked God for everything that he's done. Like, it's awesome. Some other things that you could try is just praying through the Lord's Prayer or praying through other scriptures. Another thing that um, some people do is like a weekly prayer schedule. So on Monday, they they may pray for missions. And Tuesday, they pray for friends. And Wednesday, they pray for homework or work. Or Thursday, they pray for like government and leaders. And Friday, they pray for family. Saturday, self. Sunday, church or their pastors or ministers and Sunday service. Like they have a set thing that they pray throughout the week for each day that kind of keeps things fresh and and you have lists about and some some guided prayers which is awesome. Another thing is, is if you don't know what to pray, sometimes it's great just to spend time in silence, listening. Listening for God's voice, seeing what he might be saying. There's nothing wrong with being silent before God. Another question that comes up and another thing that comes up is it's kind of a group of things but it's boring or prayers too difficult or I can't stay awake or I'm distracted or I'm too busy for prayer. First of all, if you feel that way, just be honest about it, right? <laughs> but but something that may be an issue is that you may not have found the way that you pray best. Um, and the stuff that I just mentioned might help those guided prayers or a prayer model, but also experiment a little bit and explore different ways to pray. If you say it's too boring or too difficult, like or you fall asleep or whatever, um, you know, Isaac, one of our one of our guys in Chi Alpha, he he likes to kneel when he prays. And that's because it's not super comfortable on his knees. And so it actually helps him stay awake. Uh, Some people like to walk when they pray. I love walking around campus or my neighborhood and to pray. It's it's awesome. Super easy with a mask on too. <laughs> Man, you can you can talk to Jesus. Nobody even knows. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Um, some people also write or journal their prayers. We did a podcast interview with Zoe where she talked about her prayer life, and that's something that she does, where she writes um, or journals out her prayers. So it's kind of tactile, you know. If you need silence or solitude for prayer, like your roommates are too rowdy or there's just too many distractions in your dorm room, man, there are two places on campus that are amazing to pray at. One of them is the chapel uh, on campus is open from like 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. on days that campus is open. It's like always quiet, you know, almost always serene, almost always there's no one in there. So, so it's a great place to go. Um, also the football stadium, it's open most of the day and night too. And you know, if there's not a football game going on, it's pretty quiet in there. And if the weather's awesome, like it's just a great place to go pray, very quiet. And both, both of those places are usually empty or empty enough that it's not really a distraction. So I love that. If you say, man, I don't, I don't really have time to pray. Like there's just not enough time in the day for me to do that. Pray, pray on your walks to class. 
I mean, I know right now your walk to class is probably from the bed to the <laughs> to the desk next semester, right? Like your walk to class might be a little bit longer or, or pray on your walk from your dorm to getting food or whatever. And so just any time that you're going to get a meal or any time that you're walking to a class, just take that time to pray. Or you can make your car a prayer room. Like as you're driving in your car, wherever you're going, just say like, hey man, this is going to be a holy place. My car when I'm driving is going to be somewhere that I pray. Another thing that you could try is just don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Like find someone someone to pray with. Find a prayer partner. I did this with a friend uh, after I graduated college. Um, I had a buddy that I would meet up with once a week and we would pray for an hour together um, at, at a church. And I'm, I'm telling you, like the accountability was awesome. You know, that text message of like, dude, where are you? <laughs> you know, it was helpful uh, to know that, um, you know, I needed to be there. That accountability was great. But also scripture says that where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. There's this tangible presence of Jesus that we can experience when we uh, pray with others. And so, uh, man, I, there were some of the most powerful prayer times in my life were times where I was praying with my friend um, and we just had a set prayer prayer meeting time. Another thing that you could do is you could add just a, a, t- a time of prayer with a friend, like before or after your life group or before or after church. Like, hey, we're going to meet up 30 minutes early. We're going to spend time in prayer once a week, and then we're going to go do life group or after life group. And super easy way to have some accountability and just kind of tag it on to something you're already doing. Another thing you can try is just prayer check-ins, like text messages at a certain time of day with with other people to say, hey, like I'm going to go pray. So so I do this with one of my best friends in the whole world, Jesse. Um, he lives, you know, in another city, but every weeknight I text him to let him know like, hey, I'm going up to my office or I'm going out on a walk in the neighborhood to pray. And I spend 20 to 30 minutes of prayer every weeknight. And it's an accountability thing. So he'll text me back or text me if he hasn't heard from me by like 10 or 10 30. Hey dude, did you pray yet? And, uh, and it's amazing. Like I get to text like my best friend every day and check in with him. And he helps me remember and he, and he helps hold me accountable to spend some time in prayer. And so you can do that with people in your life group and friends from all over the country, just a little text message. Hey, Hey, I'm going to pray. And so tons and tons of practical stuff that you could try. Now, another question that comes up is when, when we're trying to pray is what, what about when God doesn't answer? What do I do when God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers? And here's the thing. I, I can't really unpack all of that <laughs> in one, in one sermon. Um, because honestly, most of the time when we ask, what, what do we do when God doesn't answer? It's, it's a little bit of a, it's not just a generic question, but there's actually prayers that we've prayed that are personal. Um, there might be some pain, you know, assigned to that. And, and so we're thinking like, not why doesn't God answer prayer, but why didn't he answer that prayer for my grandma? Or why didn't he answer that prayer, you know, for that job or whatever it is. And so a quick bullet point answer for me to try to unpack isn't going to be helpful. (laughs) Um, but if you want to talk more deeply about, man, just reach out to us, reach out to your life group leader. Um, because we want to talk about that. And and we dive more into this a little, a little bit in the podcast, uh, the interview that we did with Zoe. But but here are a few thoughts. I've heard it said before that, you know, if God, if it doesn't seem like God's answering your prayer, he might be saying no. He might be saying not yet. He also might be saying not like you'd expect, like it's going to be answered either not yet or not quite like you expected. And I've seen that to be true in my life. And, um, What's really interesting is that Jesus, 
when he teaches on prayer, he teaches, first of all, he teaches that if you ask anything of the Father in my name, you'll receive it. But then he also teaches like, when you're praying, have persistence, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He also says like, be like the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 that approaches the judge and keeps on praying and doesn't give up. And then also we see him exemplifying in the garden of Gethsemane, this surrender saying like, God, not my will be done, but yours. So we have this thing of just like the assurance of answered prayers, but then also there's we're going to have this tension of maybe needing to be persistent in our prayer and then also this surrender when when it seems like God's saying no or or not like you want <laughs> that we would say okay and so we hold all of those things kind of in tension when it comes to our unanswered prayers and the last one here is how do you grow in your prayer life how do you grow in your prayer life well I think what my kind of immediate thought there is how do you increase your bench press max? Like you add a little more weight. And so, man, you could add some more things to pray for uh, in your prayer time, or you could add some more time to your prayer time, pray a few extra minutes and just continue to grow in that. Um, You could also find someone who's further along in their journey of prayer and ask them to teach you something that they've learned about prayer, about intercession, about whatever. Just say, hey, teach me some things. You could also read some books on prayer. I highly recommend um, the book Prayer by Richard Foster. Such a great book. You could also study biblical and uh, historical prayer movements. Just throughout Christian history, there's times where people have been super passionate about prayer. God's moved in powerful ways. And so you would, man, you'd do so well uh, if you want to grow to just research the way that God's moved through prayer and scripture and in, in Christian history. And then also we have uh, something that we're giving everyone, um, if they want it, called the Jesus Prayer Study. And so what that is, is it's it's all the accounts in the gospel. It's not totally exhaustive, but most of the accounts in the gospel of where Jesus prayed or the context of where, where he prayed. Um, there's stories that Jesus told about prayer or, or teachings um, of Jesus on prayer. And so, man, it's just this massive list of scriptures that you could just go through and just read and see the way that Jesus prayed, the things that he told us to pray for, um, the context in which he prayed. And it'd be super, super helpful to help us understand how prayer works, what it can accomplish, God's will in prayer. And so I'd highly, highly encourage you to get that just as a resource to you if you want to grow in prayer and learn what Jesus has to say about prayer. So to close us out here. None of us probably are going to be like Miss Farmer <laughs> in the next three to four weeks where we would, wouldn't even realize that we were in heaven <laughs> if we were to die. Like We're probably not going to be uh, that versed in spending time in the presence of God just in the course of a few weeks, but that doesn't mean we can't grow and learn. Like We can study scripture. We can deepen our understanding of prayer. We can find people who can teach us how they pray and find people to pray with. And we can pray honest prayers before God, honest with God about ourselves, honest with ourselves about God. And our future really can be shaped by the presence and power of God through prayer, if we'll keep practicing it. Do you want that? I know I do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what your word says about prayer. Thank you so much that we can approach you as a loving Heavenly Father. I just pray that we'd be honest with you that we wouldn't try to perform in prayer, but we would just be totally honest with you with the way, what we have. And God, I just know that you're going to show up. You're going to move. You're going to hear and answer our prayers, God. You're going to be present to us and we're going to grow 
in a loving relationship with you and in just developing this discipline of prayer as we practice it. Lord, help us to do that. Help us have a passion for that. Show us the ways that you're hearing and answering our prayers. And we're grateful that you're a God that wants to be present with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.